What's going on, guys? Welcome to this week's episode of the Pump Handle Podcast. I am your host, Snaggle J. On this week's episode of the podcast, we are going to take a look back at the week that was on Raw and SmackDown. Take a look back at what happened on this day in Raw history. I'm going to give you another one of my memorable Survivor Series moments. And to end it all off, I'm going to give you my predictions for this Sunday's Survivor Series pay-per-view. Uh, kicking it right off with this week's Raw review. This week I gave Raw a 2 out of 5. Mostly because it wasn't as absolutely horrendous as the previous two Raws. But it was still not even in the ballpark of good. Let's take a look at some of the highlights. Um, first of all, if you were playing a drinking game on Monday night where you drank every time a commentator said, Fantasy Warfare just got real. You're dead. You're literally not listening to this podcast right now. Because you're dead. Of course, the show starts with Stephanie McMahon and Mick Foley in the seg or in the ring to start off the show. Uh, Twenty seconds into Raw, I got this feeling in my stomach that this was going to be a shitty episode of Monday Night Raw. Um, they basically just called out everybody. Mick Foley's speaking is just all over the place. It's kind of worrisome sometimes how he trips over his words and you can see Stephanie kind of flashes a weird look at him like Mick what the fuck are you saying uh it's it's kind of weird um so basically you got the feeling that this was just going to be a ridiculous night of tag team matches basically um Sheamus and Cesaro against Owens and Reigns it was actually not really that bad of a match um, Owens and Reigns picked up the win despite some tension tension being the entire theme of the night I think um, is Kevin Owens, like, the weakest champion that they've ever had? I mean, dude gets, like, like runs away, you know, like, the, he's just, like, he's not even, like, heel at this point. He's just, they have him so weakened. Like, it's absolutely foolish. I hope this is not something that's going to continue over time. Um, so, then backstage segment, the scarf of Jericho. I mean... I'm done at this point. Um, Raw has basically become a three-hour sitcom, uh, The Scarf of Jericho. Um, I actually find it humorous that they show a stupid fucking segment like that with Jericho, Braun Strowman, and Seth Rollins talking about scarves, and then they go to Cole Graves and um, who's that other bonehead, uh, you know, what the fuck is his name? Byron Saxton, sorry, he's so dumb I forgot about him for a second. And they're giving you the hard sell for the WWE Network after you just watched a three-minute joke backstage. Oh yeah, watch me cough up my $10 a month in the U.S. and $12 a month in Canada after I watched that glorious backstage segment about scarves. Like, really? Bo Dallas versus Sami Zayn. Man, are you serious? Squash match. Awesome. Just what the show needed. Literally another match with absolutely zero appeal, which is basically raw right now. Zero appeal. Um, then they had the Cruiserweight Union meeting. Um, oh my God, don't ever let Noam Dar talk ever, please. Uh, that voice, oh my word. Uh, and then they let Sin Cara talk with the mask on. It was all muffled like, oh my God. Like, it's just bad. Who writes, who writes that? Speaking of who writes that, 
they just basically let the New Day do whatever they want now. Again, I'm on the record many times. I am done with the New Day. Um, it's not funny anymore to me. I'm sick of it. It's it, I'm over it. They just come out and they let them do whatever they want. They take it 20 minutes and it's fucking great. And the fucking crowd eats it up and it's like, oh man, I'm seriously, seriously done with it. Um, New Day took on Strowman, Jericho, and Rollins. Strowman picked up the W. It was an eh, match. Jericho takes yet another finisher. Um, he took another one later on, too. Jericho just basically exists to get stupid things over and take finishers at this point. Uh, please stop with the Mick Foley, Stephanie McMahon backstage segments. They're painful. They're awful. Um, and when you compare them to the Daniel Bryan, Shane McMahon segments on SmackDown, which are also painful, but less painful, their ones on Raw are really, really fucking painful. Um... That's Sasha Banks and Charlotte backstage segment that followed it. Also very painful. Please don't ever do that again. Uh, Brian Kendrick versus Sin Cara. Meh. It was a better match than what we... It was a better match than what we normally see on Raw from the Cruiserweights, but still not anywhere close to like CWC quality or like the quality of matches that these guys, well, that Brian Kendrick, I'm not sure about Sakara, but it's not even in the vicinity of the match that the Cruiserweights could put on. Um, but better. But again, the Cruiserweight thing is going to settle itself in the next few weeks. Enzo and Cass versus the club backstage segment. Like again, more sitcom bullshit. Um, you had the Lesnar Goldberg thing, which was probably one of the higher points of Raw, as I'm sure everyone expected it to be. Um, it's not often you see Paul Heyman get cut off like that and the crowd cheer. Um, Goldberg cut him off six or seven times. Um, Paul Heyman referred to the security guys in the ring as brave men in uniform. They were a bunch of overweight fucking dummies wearing polo shirts that had security embroidered on them. They probably got them made at the fucking Kinko's down the road before the fucking show started. Brave men in uniform. Also known as fucking the guys who brought the catering. They just got them stick around and put on national TV. Um, again, it was a pretty long segment. But con even though it was really long, um, it was probably the, one of the better segments of the night. But literally, when the bar that you have to clear is way, way down here. is Even if you're here, which you still have all this way to go. Even if you're here, you're still above the bar. So that's pretty much what that segment was. Um, Charlotte and Sasha versus Nia Jax and Alicia Fox. Again, not a great match, not a horrible match. Um, every single thing done on the show was Survivor Series related, which I've said last week and I said the week before that, I absolutely cannot fucking stand. Uh, it literally drives me batshit crazy that Raw has dedicated every minute of every episode for the last three weeks to fucking Survivor Series. It's fucking pissing me off. I'm glad it's over. Uh, then we have the club and Enzone cast as a team versus the Shining Stars and the Golden Truth. Um, the only thing notable about this match is that they let a match with the Golden Truth and the Shining Stars in it go to a second segment. Like, have a segment, commercial break, second segment. Unbelievable. That right there has got to be one of the signs of the apocalypse when the Shining Stars and the Golden Truth are in a match and that match goes to a second segment Oh my word. Um, then you had the whole Stephanie McMahon, Mick Foley, Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan segment at the end. 
Um, to be honest, I was maybe one of the only people who didn't expect the ring to get flooded with SmackDown superstars. I kind of just expected it would be a weird authority segment and everyone would fucking hate it. Um, but then all the SmackDown guys come from out of nowhere and, hey, there's Ellsworth, big pop, gotta love, gotta love Ellsworth. Ah, James Ellsworth on Raw 2016. What a fucking time to be alive, folks. Unbelievable. And then AJ Styles says something about Kevin Owens sucking on Chris Jericho's sugar tit. What? And then Chris Jericho calls Ellsworth Chintz McMahon? Like, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't understand anymore. It seriously is like a bad after dark fucking sitcom and it's not funny. Um, the biggest pops of the night were for Stupid Idiot, three times Jericho mentioned the list, and James Ellsworth, 2016, wonderful time to be alive. Uh, and oh my, it erupts in a brawl. Nobody saw that coming. Wow. And then of course, Ross stands victorious. Will there be retribution on SmackDown? I don't know. Anyway, it was another fucking pitiful, boring episode of Raw. Uh, it was painful, painful to watch. Uh, hopefully, now that the next episode of Raw will be after Survivor Series is fucking over. But then they'll just have to do with all the fallout and oh my god, uh, I don't even want to talk about it. Let's go to Tuesday Night Smackdown Live. Smackdown Live this week I gave it 3 out of 5 stars. Is another good Smackdown. Uh, you know, good show, similar format, good wrestling. It's just the better show right now. Again, they've been able to take care of the Survivor Series stuff and do it in a way that is cool, interesting. Band-Aid, done with. Let's get back to the fucking show. Uh, and of course it was the 900th episode of SmackDown that they kicked off with Shane and Daniel Bryan on the entryway. But the thing is, you can have an authority figure segment to start the show, but it was quick, to the point. Here's what we're doing. Here's what's going on tonight. Bada bing, bada boom, three minutes, it was over. Fuck, see you later. Make your point. Move on. It doesn't have to be a Stephanie McMahon 20-minute fucking segment. Why does SmackDown have to have four people on commentary? It's... Like, literally, you have four people on commentary that have the fucking talent of one and a half people. And that's divided into Moro Ronaldo being one person, and then JBL, David Otunga, and Tom Phillips make up half of a person in talent on commentary. It's fucking dreadful. Just get the cruiserweights there, fire the rest of the fucking guys. JBL's gotta go. I mean, I know he would, JBL leaving would absolutely sink t shirt sales. For fucking King Ross and what culture pro wrestling, but he's got to fucking go. Just get uh, more of Ronaldo and Corey Graves and just do SmackDown, and oh my god, it'd be so much better. Um, the show kicked off with Miz versus Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental title. It was a decent match. It wasn't the best match between the two of them in the last several months, um, but it was a good match. Again, probably the best match that there was all week on either of the programs. Um, again, bar, very low, easy to clear. Um, I can't say I expected them to switch the title five days before SummerSlam um, to The Miz. That, to me, seems kind of surprising. Um, uh, I've been kind of going back and forth in my head trying to figure out why. 
I mean, you know, the, the finish to the match was dirty with Maurice pushing, you know, the small package over and Miz picking up the one, two, three and like changing the title five days before SummerSlam. Like, I don't really understand why, like, I, I don't know, I'm having a hard time racking my brain. So now the Miz is going to face Sami Zayn. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Um, the entire night was kind of interjected with some uh, SmackDown's greatest moments. Obviously, the Austin blowing up the DX Express was fucking just absolutely fantastic. Um, hey, they got Natalia a fucking working whistle this week. Way to go, guys. Oh, my God. Way to go, Natty. Um, Oni Lorcan versus Kalisto? What? Kalisto, squash match. Move along. Nothing to see here. Kalisto... Five days, uh, four days, will be Cruiserweight Champion. Yay! Hopefully he rode two minutes. Um, King Booker giving a motivational speech in the back to the uh, tag team members for the Survivor Series team. Uh, that was pretty good. Um, I'd rather see Booker T do stupid King-related skits than ever fucking be on a pre-show or a commentary team ever again. So, hey, I'll chalk that up as a win. Um, Nikki Bella versus Carmella. Um, Nikki Bella is the closest thing WWE has to, uh, being above PG. I mean, she comes out and does that fucking booty shake thing, and then she fucking rips off the little top that she has, exposing the top that's exactly the same underneath. Like, amazing she still gets away with that. The things you can do when you're fucking John Cena. Just saying. Um... It was a nice, long, pretty good match. Um, again, I still see a huge amount of potential in Carmella. Um, you know, it just I, I she's getting better in the ring all the time. This was a great match. Um, and then Charlotte comes down to ringside. You know, you knew she had a ticket. I have a ticket. She sits down at ringside, and then of course the fucking match spills over there. All hell breaks loose. All the raw women come out of nowhere, and then holy fuck! Jesus Murphy, Nia Jax fucking annihilates a barricade. Man, she fucking destroyed that barricade. She killed it. She fucking annihilated the barricade. I don't care how soft the barricade was and how much they had to detach it. Nia Jax fucking obliterated that barricade. And it was impressive. I was impressed. Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. Um, again, like I said before, I like how SmackDown has done a bazillion time better job intertwining the Survivor Series stuff. I mean, this was an interesting segment. Nia Jax going through the barricade was worth the segment alone, but it was interesting. You know, you, you want this is something you want to see. The women who all know each other from being down at NXT and then being on all on Raw and SmackDown at the same time before the brand split. Brand split. Oh my God, it was exciting. But it was quick, and then it was over, and it was done with, and you're moving on to something else, something more exciting. Some actual fucking wrestling, which doesn't happen on Raw. You can have your show do what it needs to do for Survivor Series. Because, again, SmackDown Live have a pay-per-view three weeks after Survivor Series. Uh, TLC. So they're building towards that. You can do other things and still promote the shit that you need to promote. It's not that hard of a concept. Um, then... Obviously, you had uh, the career ghost of Teddy Long put together a 16-man tag team match. 
I paid barely any attention. American Alpha picked up the pin. It did what it needed to do. Move on to the segment everybody wanted to see, and that was the cutting edge. Um, and, of course, they made Edge say Fantasy Warfare just got real. Ah, Edge, you're a company man now, buddy. You even say the fucking scripted, stupid hype lines they give you. Uh, then here comes Team SmackDown Live. Ellsworth, James Ellsworth, what a time to be alive. Huge pop, James Ellsworth, love him, mascot. Ellsworth for a fucking Hall of Fame. He's going to be a Hall of Famer someday. It's so sad that they're going to find some back doorway. Anyway, what a time to be alive, James Ellsworth. Love it. Uh, and then he had The Undertaker come out and say that he's not going to be defined by WrestleMania anymore and Survivor Series where he's like, fuck, is The Undertaker back? Is he going to be on fucking SmackDown every single week? Is he going to be there once a month? Is he going to rest like a Lesnar-esque kind of schedule? Who fucking knows? But either way, hey, Undertaker's back. The segment was, you know, predictable. Um, I think it did what it needed to do. Um... You know, it wasn't great. I mean, you know, you had the coolness of Edge and the coolness of, uh, you know, what's-his-nuts there, uh, Undertaker. You know, I thought it was a pretty good segment. I don't think really, you know, I need to say any more than that. Um, so, yeah, SmackDown once again beats Raw this week. No surprise. Speaking of Raw, this week in Raw history. So, guys, I started this last week, and I'm going to do it every week. Um, take a look back at what happened on Raw 20 years ago. Um, there was a couple notable things that happened on Raw on November 18th, 1996. The first off was we had a hardcore match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mankind. It was a brutal, brutal match. And it really was one of the matches that set the tone for the type of action you saw in the Attitude Era. Just reckless, no regard for human life. And Farouk debuted with the uh, Nation of Domination music and gimmick. Uh, of course, this um, Raw happened six days before Survivor Series where Rocky Maivia made his debut. Rocky Maivia ended up, you know, ditching the stupid Rocky Maivia gimmick and becoming The Rock and joining the Nation and the rest is fucking history. So, you know, a couple cool things happened on Raw 20 years ago. I do expect that these this week in Raw history moments will get a lot more exciting when we get into like 97 and the shit starts to go down. Now turning our focus to Survivor Series, which goes Sunday from the Air Canada Centre in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Keep in mind, folks, Survivor Series starts, everything starts an hour earlier on Sunday. So the pre-show will start at uh, 6 o'clock Eastern Time. The event actually starts at 7 o'clock Eastern Time and will be 4 fucking hours long shoot me now please i actually know some people uh close personal friends of mine who are going to nxt on saturday and then smack or the yeah pay-per-view on sunday and then raw monday which is also from toronto like fuck jelly but hey what are you gonna do right um so this is gonna be the last chance i have to take a look at some of my favorite survivor series moments and the last one that i haven't talked about yet we talked about the montreal screw job we talked about a year after the montreal screw job uh we talked about another one some kind of good match i'm sure somewhere um next today i want to talk about the first ever elimination chamber match which happened at survivor series 2002 now, we were in a brand split back then. The Raw brand decided they wanted to determine the their world heavyweight champion. The champion at the time was Triple H. 
Um, they wanted to have it inside the demonic structure that Eric Bischoff said was part Survivor Series, part Royal Rumble, and part Steel Cage match. Um, it was, fuck, the structure itself just looked weird, but it was way different. It was super innovative. I mean, it was awesome. And plus, you really had another great chapter of the Triple H HBK feud. Obviously, HBK up until this point had been out um, after Triple H beat the living hell out of them at SummerSlam, even though HBK picked up the win at SummerSlam uh, in that unsanctioned match that they had. And a little bit of trivia here, because uh, Shawn Michaels went on to pick up the win uh, in the Elimination Chamber and win the World Heavyweight Championship. That was the first time in WWE history that a title was won inside of a steel cage structure. I double-checked it, so it's got to be true. Now, last but not least, guys, let's take a look at my always flawless, 100% gonna-be-right picks for uh, Survivor Series. Now, last pay-per-view was... What was last pay-per-view? Hell in a Cell. I went 6-2. Not bad. Uh, we only have six matches to pick from. As of the time of me recording this podcast, uh, Wednesday night, they haven't yet announced um, what's going to be on the pre-show. Um, you want to head over to the Twitter machine, at PumpHandlePod. Um, if they do add some kind of pre-show matches, I will make predictions at my Twitter account. So yeah, Pump Handle Pod on Twitter. Go give me a follow. Um, Brian Kendrick versus Kalisto for the Cruiserweight title and control over the Cruiserweight division. Kalisto's going to win. It's obvious. I mean, this is just stupid. Um, hopefully he drops the title almost immediately to someone more deserving. But yeah, Kalisto has to win. The thing is, does he need to win the match like or the title for them to get it? Like, could Kalisto win by DQ? Because um, of, you know, interference or something like that. Count out, maybe. So maybe there's a way that Kendrick can keep the title, but the Cruiserweight still move to SmackDown? Hard to say. Um, so yeah, Kalisto. It's going to happen. Uh, Sami Zayn versus The Miz. Uh, Raw versus SmackDown for the Intercontinental title. This was probably the hardest match I had the most time with because of the big swerve of The Miz winning the title on... Uh, SmackDown this past week. I've been saying all along that this was a perfect opportunity for Sami Zayn to do something to get himself onto SmackDown. But now The Miz, who has been very, very disgruntled with everything that's gone on on SmackDown, um, you know, maybe this is a chance for him to flip. Maybe they have a stipulation added where whoever wins the title goes back to SmackDown. That SmackDown gets to keep the title. That seems very unlikely. Um, I still think, like, I could see it being something like The Miz wins and then Sami Zayn gets fired by Stephanie and goes to SmackDown or something. I really, really, really think Sami Zayn needs to be on SmackDown. I think he'd be, A, a great fit, and B, a great fit, and see a really great fit on SmackDown and get him some more fucking airtime and some better matches against guys like The Miz and guys like Ziggler. I do expect Miz Sami Zayn to be a hell of a match, but I think The Miz is going to win. The 10 on 10 tag team match, Robbers of SmackDown. I am not for the life of me going to fucking list everybody in this match, but I'm going to put my money on the Raw team for two reasons. One, they have the more recognizable superstars. And two, they have the New Day. 
Yes, I know SmackDown have their own tag team champions, but you know what? It just seems like the New Day don't lose anything. If they do, it's dirty. But I think Team Raw is going to pick up the tag team uh, championship or tag team Survivor Series match. Championship, God. Um, next up, we have the five-on-five -five women's match. I think Team Raw is going to win, uh, and I think Natalia is going to do something to fuck it up. Whether it be intentional or unintentional. I've been saying for weeks that I think Natty is going to defect. I think that's why she wanted to be the coach so badly. I know that Dana Brooke is kind of the coach of the Raw team. But I think Natty is going to do something here to cause Team SmackDown the match. Um, so yeah, Team Raw women are going to win that one as well. And then the 5-on-5 five five men's match. Um, I think Team SmackDown Live is going to win. Uh, I think Shane McMahon is going to do something ridiculous, and I do think The Undertaker will have some kind of effect on this match. Whether it be super-duper minimal, I think you're going to see The Undertaker make an appearance during this match. I also think you're likely to see Braun Strowman walk away. Maybe Bray Wyatt does something to him, gets him to walk away. Maybe he just says, fuck it, I'm out of here. Um, so yeah, Team SmackDown Live is going to win. And last but not least... The fantasy warfare getting fucking uber real with the rematch after 12 years between Bill Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. Listen, it has to be Lesnar, right? If this is a one-off for Bill Goldberg, how the fuck does it do anything for Brock Lesnar to have Goldberg come in, beat him, leave, and then you're leaving Lesnar weak as shit? So, I mean... Lesnar has to win, right? 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 Brock Lesnar. I'm going with I'm going with Brock Lesnar. I don't know what kind of match it's going to be, but, uh, you know, I'm going with Lesnar because I just don't see any sense in having Goldberg come back and win a one-off match, and that'd be the end of it. Uh, okay, guys, that is it for this week's episode of the Pump Handle Podcast. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, let me know down in the comments below who you got, who you got, why, who's going to win, where did I get it right, where did I get it wrong. Uh, if you're a Raw fanboy, don't you fucking dare comment on my goddamn videos. I will hunt you down. I'll shoot you. No, I'm kidding. I would never do such a thing. Um, but yeah, let me know. Uh, if you are listening on the SoundCloud or iTunes or Google Play Store, hit me up on the Twitter machine, at PumpHandlePod, all one word. Let me know your picks. Send me who you got. Tell me where I got it right. Tell me where I got it wrong. I appreciate you guys so very, very much. Each and every person out there who listens to the podcast on Thursdays, on the various different places you can listen to podcasts, such as SoundCloud, such as iTunes, Google Play, Podcatcher, uh, Pocket Cast, which is my personal favorite, uh, on your computer, on your phone. You get the gist, right? Anyways, guys, thanks for listening to the Pump Handle Podcast. Until next time, somebody hit my music.